Welcome to Taxit, our virtual space of healing, growth, and learning. This is the advice podcast guaranteed to raise your standards, uphold your boundaries, and remind you of your innate worthiness, whatever your situation or situation ship. So come and take a seat and let's get thriving. Hello and welcome to Take a Seat. It is so wonderful to be back with you all. This week is Samoan Language Week. Happy Samoan Language Week. You are with me, Dr. Brishni, aka Brishni Tarsesa, converted codependent and forever healing girly. You might have noticed that the intro sounded a little different today because I am trying this new thing. So I don't have to record the same thing every single time and I can just copy and paste. So we'll see how that goes. Today I am tired. I have had this whole week off of work because about a month ago she was really struggling in her job and about to have some sort of meltdown. So instead of doing that, I talked with the rostering person, worked out when someone could next cover my shifts and booked some leave instead. And now here we are. But I just feel like there's this huge amount of pressure to rest because I've only got a week and I need to be resetting and recentering and re-energizing. But I have so much life admin to do, like replying to emails and checking my tax return, which jobs really do not account for during normal business hours. I also recently celebrated my auntie's 50th birthday with all of my family over the weekend. So I'm still recovering a little bit, not just from the weekend, but also all the planning and organizing and stress that came beforehand as well. (laughs) What was really interesting about the weekend, though, was it gave me an opportunity to see how much I have grown over the last few years. And I really do love those moments because without deliberately setting aside time to reflect, you are faced with a very obvious situation that you know would have been very different if it was a past version of yourself. Now, I am very good at talking, at being chatty, but I am an introvert at heart. I love my alone time. I love being by myself. I am also not really a drinker, and I only started having alcohol about three years ago, and I just don't enjoy the taste, so I rarely have it. And when it comes to parties, I used to start late, dance, yell, jump around whilst completely sober and when it comes to my family I used to feel super pressured to hang around and be present with them and talk to every single person while at the same time getting super irritated myself feeling very drained and then often being referred to as bossy like in the negative sense of the word (laughs) and I'm still unpacking all of those things that I was doing It kind of stemmed from recognizing that we are not often all together and not wanting to miss out on that time, feeling like I needed to ensure that everyone was okay and that I had to have some sort of positive impact in their lives. And also this fear that something might happen to somebody and this might be our last moments together. It's been a whole thing. And I think some of that boils down to feeling like I needed to prove that I belong somewhere or that I had something to add that was valuable to somebody else because I didn't think that what I brought to the table without trying was enough. And probably just my general fears that I projected onto everyone else about everything (laughs) and everyone. (laughs) 
So in terms of the weekend just gone and specifically the party on Saturday, after all the formalities were completed, the speeches, our siva, the haka, the cake, I went back to my room for like an hour and chilled out in front of the fireplace, which was so beautiful, by the way. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I came back out to see what everyone was up to. I felt tired. Didn't really feel like chatting. So then I went back to my room again until it was pack up time. (laughs) And it was wonderful. And then when pack up time came around, I found my mom who said we didn't have to do it until the morning and that she was going to ensure the music was off at 12am because there were other guests staying at this place and the music was definitely echoing. But I said to myself, cool, it's not my problem. I left everyone to it, went back to my room and I had a great night. I didn't spend it agonizing over not being around everyone the whole time. I didn't really get FOMO, even though I could hear the music from my room. I didn't feel like I was missing out or that I didn't belong or that I wasn't part of the family. And I was actually good. And I was really surprised by that feeling. And it really made me realize how much work I have been putting into myself and how that is really starting to show because I was a tired girl. I wanted some time to myself. I wanted to hang out in front of the fire and I didn't actually really miss out on anything. And I got to see some videos afterwards and they were great. And I felt like I was there and it was wonderful. And I think part of that is that I know my value. I know my worthiness. And even when I am feeling really low and I'm spiraling or if I'm feeling really anxious and I'm overthinking, at my core, I know that I'm worthy. I know that I am loved. I know how wonderful I am, just as I am. I don't have to overreach or overextend or do anything that is out of alignment with who I am to be of value to others. I just have to be myself and I remain worthy. I am loved and I remain of value to those around me, just being who I am. And knowing that intimately is huge. When you start prioritizing yourself, focusing on your needs and following what actually aligns with you, not what aligns or works for others, and that can feel very weird and challenging, but you start to see that you are still a good enough daughter, you are still a good enough sister, a good enough friend, a good enough mother, even when you let go of the things that were not conducive to you and that were actually out of capacity for you too. Things still get done, people remain safe, and you are still appreciated and loved, and you still belong somewhere. And if you don't feel that or that doesn't occur, then it may just highlight an area or it may highlight people that may be out of alignment with your life. For example, if you stop initiating catch-ups with a friend, which has always felt like an onerous task and like you're the only one doing it, does this friend then pick it up because they love hanging out with you or do the catch-up stop? If the dishes don't get done straight away after dinner when you are feeling tired and just want to put your feet up after coming home from work, does anything bad happen? Or does it mean you get to chill out for a whole evening and then are a lot more alert and have more energy to do the dishes the next day. Just some food for thought, a few learnings, ample amount of growth, and a plethora of revelations manifesting themselves into my life. If any of these examples resonated with you, then this is my call to try one of them for yourself and just see what happens. (laughs) Okay, 
let's get into our questions. Thank you so much to those of you who sent them through. As always, please remember to take care as some topics can be heavy. And also note that these views are my own. The first question is, I would love to hear you talk about being a converted codependent, what it looked like, how did you know, and how did it change? What a great question. Google says codependency is when each person involved is mentally, emotionally, physically, and or spiritually reliant on the other, which leads to dysfunctional relationship patterns. My impression is basically when a two-person relationship doesn't have to be with an intimate partner, could be a friend, could be a family member. In a two-person relationship, one person overextends himself for the other, while the other kind of does their own thing, i.e. someone is the giver and someone is the taker. I didn't actually realize this until after my relationship had ended, and I was reading this amazing book during my heartbreak and deliberately healing phase, and it was called Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Glover Tower. When I tell you this book changed my whole life, <laughs> I was reading a couple of pages every night, very easy book to read, very simple language, which is great. And I came to this section about codependency and it started talking about how one person takes on this role as a protector and wants to save the other, but that desire only enables the unhealthy behavior of the other. And then it had a list of examples of how that might look, which included overextending yourself, avoiding discussions about real issues or problems, making excuses for the poor behavior of others, tending to other people's needs and neglecting your own, doing things for people instead of helping them to do things for themselves, having one-sided relationships, troubleshooting problems for others before thinking of your issues, and having difficulty existing in a relationship without becoming the rescuer. So at this point, I was already mind blown. I felt like I resonated with the majority of those things. And I was really reeling from this discovery and possibly feeling some embarrassment at realizing that this is the situation I had been in for a number of years. And then there was this quote that said, people who are codependent suffer from unhealthy boundaries, self-esteem issues, people-pleasing tendencies, and the need for control. Well, fuck me. (laughs) If that is not me, and probably like 50 other people I know, oh my gosh, honestly. So obviously reading all of this opened up my eyes. And this is also why self-confrontation is very hard, but also so imperative for healing, because the only person you can control is yourself. And if you can recognize some of the parts of yourself that may be contributing to situations that have not been for you, where you have ended up unhappy, then you actually have a starting point to address and a place to work on. And there is something really empowering And also really reassuring about that. You're not stuck in this place of not being able to do anything. You actually have something that you can do. So for me, it was really important to recognize that I had been in a codependent relationship, that I had been overextending myself and tying my value and worthiness up with this other person's happiness, which meant that all my time and energy went into serving them and trying to make them happy and leaving my needs unmet, leaving me drained, and ultimately just enabling their continued bad behavior. 
And now I specifically had some things that I could work on, like solidifying my boundaries, which started by working out how they had been porous in the first place and listening to affirming podcasts like Bobo and Flex and Relationship by Cammy Crawford. And then also reducing my attachment to pleasing others by ensuring that I was pleasing myself first, prioritizing myself, honoring what was of value to me, and being more intentional about where I placed my time and energy, which included using the block button both online and in a metaphorical sense in real life too. (laughs) So if you think you might have a codependent relationship, I would highly suggest buying Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Glover Tawab, or at least following her on social media because she releases a lot of very informative and enlightening content. Work on your boundaries, spend intentional time with yourself and evaluate what your values are. Where do you not compromise and ensure that you are following that? And if you're wanting to let something slide, ask yourself why? Nurture those friendships that are your reminders about your worthiness and about why you uphold those boundaries in the first place. Listen to podcasts like Bubble and Flex, like Relationship by Cammie Crawford, and if it is within your means, seek more external and specific support through a therapist to affirm and remind you of your value and majesty as the transcendent, celestial, magical being that you are. The second question today is kind of on topic. Basically, someone asked me to go through what therapists are, the different types, and how to find one. I definitely recognize that therapists are not accessible to everyone. They can be really expensive. They can have no availability. And the reality is they are doing you a service. So it can take some time to find someone who is actually the right fit for you. And knowing if they're going to be the right fit does mean you have to put some investment into them first to work that out in the first place. So there are definitely some challenges, but at the end of the day, they come with more knowledge. They should provide a safe, supportive, unbiased, independent space to be able to open up, to share, and to give you some other insights into yourself that you may not have thought about. So in New Zealand, every workplace has an EAP scheme, which entitles you to, I think, six free therapy sessions. The only annoying thing is that I think they list which people you can choose, but it could be a really good segue into introducing yourself to therapy and what it sort of involves, whilst also having your workplace pay for it. There are definitely places that have subsidized options based on certain criteria, but those are generally specifically location-based. So going through your GP practice or contacting your local mental health service may be the best way to find them. And there are also options through ACC where you may actually qualify for free therapy. If you've made the decision to see someone, then sometimes there is a lot of confusion. Actually, I still get confused sometimes and I am in the sector about who does what and that sort of thing. So basically, there are four main types of people that you might think about when it comes to therapy. A psychiatrist, a psychologist, a psychotherapist and a counsellor. A psychiatrist is a qualified doctor. They have a medical degree, so it means they've spent time in hospitals doing other specialties, and they have gone on to do further specialist training in psychiatry. So similar to a surgeon does specialist training in surgery, a GP does specialist training in GP, a cardiologist does specialist training under medicine and then cardiology. 
a psychiatrist is a specialist. They are generally involved in assessment and diagnosis, and they're the only people that can prescribe medication out of those four groups. They can also do therapy themselves, and they do tend to be more involved with people who are a bit more complex. However, they are generally more expensive, so I would only recommend seeing a psychiatrist if you are looking for a specific diagnosis about something, or if you feel that you need medication for something. The next person is a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, and generally their qualifications are that they have done a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and then they've gone on to do postgraduate doctorate in clinical psych, which I'm pretty sure is like a PhD. So technically they can put doctor in front of their name as well. So psychologists are primarily involved with psychological treatments, such as talking therapies, which aim to understand and resolve the issues that they are facing. I generally see psychologists as providing more shorter-term, goal-oriented therapy. So if there is a specific problem you're wanting to address, like having social anxiety and wanting to go out in public more, or trying to address your really negative thoughts, then a psychologist may be a good person for you. Their cost is generally less expensive than psychiatrists, but more expensive than psychotherapists. Next, we have psychotherapists, and their qualifications can vary. They might have started off doing a bachelor in counselling, or some other type of work. They could have been doing some private work and and just talking therapies, but they all need to be registered with the psychotherapy board. So when you are looking at different people, ensure that they are registered with this board. They can also offer some similar therapies to psychologists, but they may tend towards more longer-term therapies for some more deep-rooted issues, often referencing childhood and addressing some of the ways that that impacts on our now and generally their cost is cheaper than psychiatrists and psychologists as well. Next we have counsellors who have to have done a Bachelor of Counselling. I think that is about three years. They are generally cheaper than all of the other options and depending on their level of experience and knowledge I might consider them as a place to debrief a little bit more but it really does depend And actually all of them depend on their level of experience and really dependent on what you are looking for and how that person is going to relate to you. Because at the end of the day, the relationship that you have with that person, that you develop with that person, that you won't necessarily have straight away, is going to be one of the biggest things that helps you understand all of these things. If you don't feel safe with them, then bringing up really intense topics or topics that are really challenging is going to be really difficult and maybe counterintuitive to what you're trying to achieve. So remember, all these people are doing you a service. You are paying them regardless of if it is subsidized. They are being paid to support you. So ensuring that it is a safe place for you is one of the most imperative things. In terms of the specifics for looking for a therapist, I literally Google search psychotherapist because at the time that I was looking, I wanted a psychotherapist. I wanted something that was more longer term, something where I could raise whatever I wanted and then not really be a specific agenda where I could be the person setting the agenda. So when I looked into Google, I typed in psychotherapist, I typed in my area, and then I just opened up all the tabs that came up and read through all of the bios, which is a little bit laborious, but it is worthwhile. 
So when I was looking, I was looking for a woman. I was looking for someone who could do it in person because Zoom seems really impersonal. I was looking for someone who was less than $200 New Zealand, someone who had availability and someone who was culturally competent and safe because the reality is there's a lack of people of colour in the sector. And I can't really tell that from the bios, but really I'm just going off vibes from pictures or whatever they've written about themselves. I was also interested in obviously someone who does psychotherapy and I wanted to ensure that they were registered with a psychotherapy board. And I also aimed for someone who had some extra qualifications or had done some extra certificates because generally any extra qualifications or certificates meant that they had to have done some more practical experience. And I did say it, but always remember, ensure they registered with a board. (laughs) So once I narrowed it down, I sent off a generic email to anyone I was interested in. I honestly, I got it down to three people. So it wasn't many from the people that I looked through. And I just said I was looking for someone to talk through the challenges of everyday life, of a new relationship and of reducing my anxiety and addressing some of my anxious thoughts and that I would love to chat more to understand if they would be a good fit for me and for them to let me know if their preference was for a call or in person for that initial chat and to confirm what their fees were. And all of them got back to me. Some lady had a really nice website. So on the email, I said her website was really lovely (laughs) because it was really, really nice. And so all of them were really nice. And someone got back to me late and I'd already booked them with someone else. And I just said to her, look, I've already booked with someone else. I want to see how this goes, but I will let you know by August if things don't pan out and thanked her for her time. And that was fine. She was happy with that. So that is just a little bit of a breakdown of the different types of people that might be referred to as therapists. And a little bit about how you might go forward into finding them, knowing that it does take a little bit of time, but remembering that this is someone who is supposed to be for you, who is going to be supporting you through some challenges, and really just providing a safe, unbiased, non-judgmental space. So taking time to find the right person for you is totally reasonable. And I am wishing you all the best of luck with that. So today we have learned about codependency about how important our boundaries are and prioritizing ourselves. We have learned how to find the right therapist for us. So we really are out here doing the most, learning new things, continuing to put in the work and upgrade ourselves. And I am so proud of us. Thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful to have you here. If you want to see more, then please subscribe and follow to stay updated. If you have any suggestions, please leave us a review and let us know. And if you want any advice, please send your stories or questions to takeaseat.thepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram. Can't wait to see you next time for more. Have an amazing week and keep thriving.